Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Who are you? What do you want to express in the world? Who are you willing to alienate? Who do you want to work with? And are you willing to be engaged in that process? Because it's a process, just like the people in your life will come and go. And, you know, sometimes you know someone for a year or two, or you think you know someone, then suddenly, you know, you find out X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh man, I did not do a good job picking this person, but I had some things to learn. It's the same thing with customers. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. Last week, we learned to recognize that marketing is not an action, but a discipline. And the discipline of marketing leads to three activities. Client fulfillment, lead conversion, and lead generation. Identifying how it fuels each of those is essential to effective marketing. Advertising is only a tiny part of marketing, and it's a disservice to the art to stop the discussion there. Lastly, I'm excited to announce my next course just began on June 23rd. There's still time to join. It's called Light and Shadow Themes from Strategy to Soul. I'm excited about this course because I've been working on this for years and I'm finally going to release this in a more public way. Uh, It's a unique model that is based on the assertion that human beings only have eight different problems at the core and I've been using it to coach people and train coaches with powerful results as I've um, experimented and, and refined it. When you can diagnose these eight problems in yourself and others, you're working at a deep soul level that reveals how superficial most work is without it. If you parent, manage, or mentor, this course is for you, but it certainly can help anyone with a curiosity about themselves and a hunger to grow. Light and Shadow Themes began June 23rd. There's still time to join uh, the course live. It runs an hour per week for 11 weeks. I'd love to have you join us live, but of course, all my live courses turn into online courses and is available on your timing. For more info, go to clearandopen.com slash themes. Again, clearandopen.com slash themes. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. so many companies in my limited experience like sell me what I would call traditional marketing or advertising or what they label as marketing. And it's just like, well, Twitter, we'll do Instagram, we'll put your sign up, we'll, we'll put your ad in the paper. No one's ever come to me and said, I'll help you define your market. No one's ever said that to me. Wow. Yeah. Like, Thanks for sharing that, Mark. Okay. Yeah. And so you, the, a good marketing agency, usually the more expensive ones, will do that. In the middle, you get people to send you a few worksheets to fill out, but it's kind of superficial. And then the majority of them, the worst ones, will collapse. Like we're talking about, they'll collapse marketing and advertising. In other words, disappear marketing and they call marketing, they they call advertising marketing and then give you the sense that you're doing marketing. And then it's a shotgun approach and you're not targeting anybody. So we're we're retargeting people who might be interested in blanket terms like dry cleaning and now they click Google and now I'm going to send them an ad and my new customer numbers are pretty good. Um, 
Um, but a lot of people are not business and these aren't customers that I want. Like I'm, yeah, I haven't done that. Yeah. Defining of the customer base. Like that's like, yeah. so <laughs> it's frustrating, but exciting at the same time, like how much money I've wasted. Well, yeah. And I'm glad you said that word wasted, because if you look at marketing as a series of experiments, marketing is very much scientific method. You know, you're defining, I think these are my customers, I think. And then you, you test the, the hypothesis is marketing. The experiment is lead generation. And then there's a cycle. Okay. How well did the lead generation work? Not very well. Okay. Let's go back to the drawing board. Did the messaging we choose not... I mean, this is a whole other thing. I don't even know if we're going to get to it. But if you can just imagine that cycle, the lead generation is testing your hypotheses in marketing. Did you choose the right market? Does that market even exist? Did you use the right messaging? Did you use the right channels and all of that? There's no wasting in marketing. I tried advertising for the first time in 18 years or so. I was all word of mouth. And I was like, you know what? I've never really tried advertising. So about over a year and a half or so, I spent, oh, probably 15 grand or so on advertising. Hardly worked at all. Like, definitely not the ROI. Hardly worked at all. Was it a total waste? In one way. In another way, it confirmed for me that I shouldn't try that. (laughs) That life was saying, hey, you're a word of mouth guy. Keep doing that. Okay, now I know. Was that worth 15 grand? Sure. We've tried different things and a lot of it's been scaled back because of COVID, obviously. But for me, it feels, and this is probably not true, but um, like I could do anything. I could do a bunch of online stuff I could do a bunch of ads in the paper or billboards. It just seems like uh, it seems like none of it really has a direct effect. Um, I don't know. I just um, well, that also leads to metrics. Depends on how closely you're tracking that kind of stuff. Yeah, you, what you're saying it's uh, you're you're. I mean, I want to like I could talk for hours just based on what you just said. It feels like it's just like a, the business is this big ship and it's doing and we're working and like with a lot of it's potentially word of mouth or established client base or whatever, but yeah. I, I do all this other stuff over here. That's like hardly anything. And it's not, I, I, I've, I've pulled a lot of it back because of COVID and I haven't done more reinvested. It. I've chosen some small things. Um, but I, I don't think I need that other stuff that we've been doing. Perhaps, for years. perhaps not. And if you had a really, really clear picture of who your customers are, where they are and how they think and make decisions, it may be that some new activities would emerge out of that. Yeah through that discipline. We'll see. I'm excited to find out. So the first step is to realize, again, to sort of summarize here, marketing is not an external activity. It's a discipline. Your customers don't see marketing. So this is a good place to um, talk about... uh, Emith used to call these the seven centers of management attention. And it's one one of the cooler distinctions that that model made. Leadership there's seven of them. Leadership is the first one. It's the foundation of everything. You know, who you are, um, your destiny, how that expresses your values, all of that. That's the foundation of everything. Then there's six others. Three are disciplines and the other three are activities. The disciplines are marketing, money, and management, the three M's. So marketing is a discipline, not an activity. Money is a discipline, not an activity. Uh, management, it's all, they're all internal. So when you think about management and money, it's easy to see, well, those are the internal parts of the business. And they underlie and fuel the three activities. 
which are client fulfillment, lead conversion, and lead generation. Uh, client fulfillment includes production, delivery, and customer service. Again, depends on how you define it. But um, client fulfillment is giving the customer what they bought. The experience they have of getting it and what you got to do to give it to them. Lead conversion is sales. Lead generation includes advertising, but it's not only that. So see how marketing is the foundation of those other three. Money and management obviously are too. If you're producing a product in a way that's not profitable, then your sales, your advertising, and your client fulfillment is screwed, right? It's got to be profitable. That's the money thing. If your people are so nutty that they are you know, unfocused, they don't know what their job is, that, none of that's going to work well either. That's how it underlies um, uh, client fulfillment. But what's not usually seen so well is how marketing underlies those three. How does marketing influence uh, what the customer gets, sales, and uh, uh, lead generation? So we've been talking a little bit about how marketing influences lead generation. That much is clear. When you craft a message for your customers, you got to know who you're trying to reach and who do you not give a shit about? Are you willing to, for example, disqualify a prospect in an advertising piece? I would argue that you ought to be. Your advertisement should disqualify. So like when you're writing website copy or ad copy or whatever you want to have in your mind, whoever's writing that needs to have in their mind, who am I trying to appeal to and who am I trying to disqualify? So like for me, for example, when I write uh, copy, I'm actively trying to disqualify someone who's never worked with a coach before. I don't want to work with them. That's not me. I'm a teacher of teachers. I train coaches. I coach coaches. That's I've been doing this a really long time. It's not interesting for me to work with people who've never gotten help from someone before. And it's going to take a year just to teach them how to be a client. That's just not me anymore. So I don't want to work with those people. So could I write ad copy that's written in a way where, hey, you know, that's why the headline on my website says, you've tried conventional coaching, now try this. You see, that ad copy eliminates people who've never had a coach at all. They're going to look at that and go, well, I haven't even tried conventional coaching. So screw you. And I go, good, come back to me when nothing else has worked. You see? So that headline right on my homepage is trying to bounce people off who've never tried anyone. And if some people who've never tried a coach before get through that, then fine. You see, that's fine. They may fall out later, but whatever. I've done the best I can to disqualify. All right, I lost my place before. Again, where was I? Sorry, my mind's been doing some rewiring recently. You asked the question, how is uh, marketing related to the other two? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Zach. I don't know if I would have gotten that. Okay, so uh, marketing underlies... uh, That's advertising or lead generation, how it underlies um, lead generation. How does marketing underlie and support sales? Obviously, right? When you're selling to someone who they are and how they make decisions is right underneath all of the sales scripting, if that's appropriate, uh, the sense you have of the sales cycle, uh, what they need, whether it's information, do they need a consultative type sale or do they need how much pressure do they need to make the decision? How much pain do they have to be in? All of that has to do with who they are and how they think and make decisions. 
So, you know, there's no such thing as a one size fits all sales process. The sales process has to, has to be designed around who the customer is. Uh, now let's talk about client fulfillment. It, it's also the same thing. So uh, the, the, the product is not, this is, I mean, let's talk for hours just about this one idea. What your business produces is not what you think. It's what the customer thinks. That's the marketing mindset. So if you think what you produce is, uh, I mean, there's this old uh, story we used to tell at Emeth. Um, when a customer comes in uh, to a, uh, a hardware store and tells the salesperson they need a drill bit, is a drill bit what they really need? And the answer is no. What they need is a hole. That's what they need. The product they're buying is something that will produce a hole. And if you've ever had a really good experience in a hardware store, you may have had the experience where, you know, you can go in a hardware store and say, hey, I'm looking for a drill bit or a drill or whatever. And the, you know, say, oh, aisle five, and they don't even lead you there, which is really lame. But a really good hardware store clerk will say, what are you up to? Sure, we got drills and whatever, but what are you up to? And then you tell them about it. And then they give you an idea that maybe you didn't have. Oh, you don't need a drill bit. You need this other thing. Or, you know, you can do that with a hole punch or an ice pick or hell, you can do that with a screwdriver. Let me save you, save you 20 bucks. You know, they actually get interested and engaged in what you're doing. And at the very least, you know, you may be exactly right that you need a drill bit, but at least there's been a connection made where the person is actually curious about you. And there's this hardware store in Ashland, Oregon, where I used to live. Uh, it was a, it was an ace. And the, uh, I once had this, I, I was doing some plumbing underneath the sink and uh, it was unusual, unusually plumbed. And I had this long conversation with the clerk there. And when I, he actually, as I walked out of the store said, if you run into trouble, give me a call. And I actually was under the sink talking to this guy on my cell phone while I had a wrench in my hand and he was walking me through what to do. Do you see how that's completely different than ever would happen at a Home Depot? And that's part of Ace's brand. At least that particular ace. Ace tries to do that. They uh, they do it pretty well. I got an ace nearby here, and and so Ace can't compete with the massive volume of Lowe's or Home Depot. They can't compete on that level, and they don't try. So they compete based on trying to make a connection and trying to be helpful at deeper levels. And they trust that the person, you know, even though I pay twenty percent more if I go to Ace, there's going to be a more human connection, and I'm not going to get as dirty. I remember seeing, I forget, I think it was True Value or Ace had some TV ad a while back that said something like, you know, those big box stores where you just get lost and they show the person in this like exaggeratedly giant warehouse and you just get lost and kind of dirty. I just started laughing because like, that's a psychographic appeal. Like, yeah, if you spend enough time in Home Depot, you get dirty, don't you? Lowe's not as dirty. That's part of their thing. Lowe's is like, no, we're a little bit more customer-centric. You're not going to get as dirty. You're not going to get as lost. Instead of these dirty, faded orange aprons, it's more red, white, and blue personal kind of thing. I don't think they really pull that off, but the image shows that. At least the Lowe's I have here. I'm a, I'm a Home Depot guy because um, I, I don't perceive Lowe's as actually delivering on that promise, even though they they look it and the dissonance pisses me off. So I, I'd rather have honesty than a fake veneer of we're here to help, but not really. I never really thought about that, but that's why I'm a Home Depot guy. Um, 
So, but ACE is a completely different category. I think true in true value also, they're like, oh no, we're going to like really get in there and help you with the project. And you know, how well they do that depends on the store and the people there and all that. But if you were to follow all the way back, I would imagine, you know, like whoever started ACE and true value, there must've been some kind of heartful, real, I want to help people things, not just sell them stuff they don't necessarily need. And that's the birth of that brand. You know, and you can see that in the difference between Apple and Microsoft, right? Bill Gates is a consummate geek, not a real people person. Steve Jobs, you know, voluble and entrepreneurial and engaging and passionate. You know, when the first MacBook was launched, I think it was the first MacBook or maybe it was, I think it was the, the MacBook, the first unibody MacBook. The first thing he said at the keynote was, isn't it beautiful? And all the windows were people like, well, who, who gives a shit whether it's beautiful or not? Is it powerful? Does it perform? So when he said, isn't it beautiful? He alienated like half of the computer market. But the other half that was like, yeah, I want my shit to look good and like have a waxy finish. Or I think it was the, uh, the steel, the first steel um, uh, MacBook that was. Like that drew those people in as it pushed the rest of them away. And then, you know, and then you have this major polarity between, you know, Apple people and, uh, and Windows people. I personally don't care how my technology works. I just want it to work. That, and that also appeals to Apple people. So, uh, yeah, all of this comes down to these principles like who are you? What do you want to express in the world? Who are you willing to alienate? Who do you want to work with? And are you willing to be engaged in that process? Because it's a process just like the people in your life will come and go. And, you know, sometimes, you know, someone for a year or two, or you think, you know, someone, then suddenly, you know, you find out X, Y, and Z and you're like, Oh man, I did not do a good job picking this person, but I had some things to learn. It's the same thing with customers. So it's about being engaged in that process and not thinking it's some static thing. You're finding your tribe. And if who you are and your values is really, really weird not in a bad way, but atypical, well, sorry, you're not going to have millions and millions and millions of followers. You know, So you've got to confront that. And that was something, for example, that I went through where I had a part of me that wanted to be famous and thought my ideas were really innovative and interesting. And, and then I started to get really honest with myself being like, hmm, yeah, I mean, your ideas are are intelligent, but that's not the world. And it's they scare people a lot of times and they're very confronting of the status quo. So you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You don't get to be disruptive and super, super popular at the same time. And so these are the kinds of things that you end up having to work out. You know, Steve Jobs conceived of the iPad in the 80s, in the 80s. And it was his dream to produce such a thing. And I don't know when it came out, the early 2000s, mid 2000s or something. You know, it took that long for the technology to, to get there. One more thing I'll say about marketing that's, that's related to this is that um, the best marketing is about meeting needs of your customers that they don't even know they have. And that's how Steve Jobs makes me think of that. Because when Steve Jobs conceived of the iPad or the, um, iPhone, you know, the idea of like, I think people want their entire music collection in something the size of a thick credit card. I don't know about you, but when I was, you know, 13 or whatever, and had 150 cassettes mounted on my wall, 
I don't remember ever thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great to have this all in something the size that's smaller than my Walkman? You know, I don't remember thinking that. Uh, there's a brilliant, I, I recommend it often. There's a brilliant uh, Malcolm Gladwell TED talk that talks about um, uh, how we got to the spaghetti sauce market that we have now. Because when I was growing up, uh, you had Prego and Ragu, and that was it. Those were your choices. You had two, two, and then maybe there was like one with mushrooms and one without, but there was not a wall of spaghetti sauce. And all of that uh, happened for, for a very specific set of reasons and research. And it was not because people were clamoring for 37 different kinds of spaghetti sauce. Nobody was reporting that. And, you know, Procter & Gamble and, you know, these big companies, they were doing a ton of market research. They would have found it out. So the best marketing is actually, it's, I mean, this the Steve Jobs kind of um, archetype comes in. It's, it's entrepreneurial, it's intuitive, it's visionary, it's, it's being in tune with the zeitgeist and the um, what people deeply want that they don't even know that they want. That's the highest form of you call that like marketing innovation. Uh, you know, a lower form is just sur- surveying people and talking to them and finding out what they want, and that will put you in the top ten percent of any market certainly. But if you can get to a place of figuring out what people want that they don't even know that they can't even tell you. Well, that's what produces things like, you know, the iPad and the the iPhone or I don't know what else. Wireless internet, you know? I mean, I I remember being pleased as punch having just internet, you know, going to my computer on a cord. I don't remember experiencing like, boy, I really would like to be able to check email while I'm cooking dinner. I do not remember having that thought, right? But suddenly when I had the ability, it's like, oh, cool. I like this. Now, there are problems with it, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, now we take for granted being able to have access to 30 million songs in our pocket whenever we want. It's astounding. Remember, I was just thinking about yesterday. um, Remember thinking that somebody would tell you about an album and you would be like weighing whether you wanted to buy it or not? Like those days are over. Like it's just done. There's no more weighing. Like you can just access it and decide what you think. It completely eliminated that whole buying mulling something over process. You just have it because you already pay 15 to 20 bucks a month. It's done. Completely changed the consumer experience. That's marketing because someone was like, I think I know what people want and they don't even know it. And just think about like right now that's going on. Right now there's millions, maybe even billions of people and we want something and we don't even know what it is. And any moment someone's going to release it and make millions of dollars because it's brilliant. You know, I think of like um, best-selling album of all time for 50 points. Who knows what it is? Michael Jackson. Say, say again? Thriller, Michael Jackson. Thriller, that's correct. Very good. Michael Jackson's Thriller is the best-selling album of all time. And I love thinking about this because like, why? It crossed genres. That's why. It appealed to people who didn't necessarily listen to that kind of music. Uh, two and three, I forget the order, are uh, uh, ACDC's Black in Black and uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Also cross genres, I would say. And so sold millions and millions and millions of, uh, of, of um, records. Records. Uh, so these things, they, they, they produced a sound and a feeling that people didn't even know they wanted. 
And so I had enormous, enormous success in that way. I would also say the same thing about one of the longest running uh, films in movie theaters of all time, which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Still shows in theaters since what, mid-1970s or something? It captured something. It was a satire about the overt sexuality in um, in uh, B-horror films, but it captured something. Uh, and it's a long story about what that is, but it, it brought a sense of value that just, like I said, it captures something in the zeitgeist. It, it captivates an audience. It touches people in a way that just people want to keep going back to and back to and back to increase this enormous residual value. And you can see these things all over the place in our society. It's fascinating. So anyway, we're over time and I got to go. But um, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I hope I've inspired you about marketing. It's really a cool topic that advertising is only a tiny, tiny part of and learning the discipline of it and learning to think this way and see the world this way is uh is a really cool ability that has nothing to do with twitter ads or whatever that's just that's not marketing so look for the assignment it'll be about demographics and i'll see you next week aloha bye for now thanks for listening to manage to engage the clear and open podcast join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be until then Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.